Welcome to another episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm here with Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. <laughs> Mike. And Steve. Uh, you'll notice Ward is absent right now, but it is, um, it's our understanding that he will be joining us midway through the podcast. So if you hear a lot of like rustling and background noise and beeping... Heavy and then, breathing. Yeah. Well, that might be me. <laughs> I get real happy when Ward's not around. It's weird. Okay. <laughs> Awkward. Okay, so... Um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, the nice part, we can start with this week in hobby. Quick. Quick for me. None. Yeah. None. None. I'm okay. hobbying right now. I'm assembling a building. Oh. Okay. Uh, as much as I hobbied, I opened a bag this week. <laughs> all right, Mike. Uh, I finished off my dwarf uh, Blood Bowl team, and I'm almost finished my Rust Stalkers. Ooh! And... Also, been working on my uh, fire drink for my uh, fire slayers. Oh, nice, sweet, nice. Dan, these rust talkers are good. Not much of anything. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to sound a lot like Mike here. I uh, I've been working on some of my drop fleet, and I finished up painting my orc blood bowl team. Ta da! Yay! Yay. Which are here. And so look really we good. see we do hobby once in a while. We do. Yeah. Hey, summer. Well, this is the way it's always been. We've been doing this for three years, guys. You guys should know that by now. That this time of year for me is very not not great. I like to pretend it's summer twelve months a year. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That'll that'll that's not good. Just itching yeah. for the vitamin D. Just living in yeah. denial. <laughs> oh, vitamin D joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, what about uh, shut up and take my money? Because obviously Ward. Um, maybe built some buildings and prep for onslaught in a few months away. <laughs> That's a long ways away. I guess it's only what October. Yeah, yeah, we can call it a few. I guess. I think it actually, is it three months away? Did he no. work? I think he worked a little bit on his. Um, he was working on Infinity a little yeah, bit, but it might it. have been before the last podcast. So yeah, they're looking good. He's doing that gray and blue scheme. I'm a big fan. Nomads not being black and red because That's your color. It's different. Different to everybody's black and red. Yep, looks good. So. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, who's got your money this week, guys? Oh, I don't know why you're looking at me. I, I'm still waiting. Car parts don't count. I, exactly, Steve. exactly. But <laughs> in all honesty, I am uh, waiting to see where things go for GW with the new rule set. Eight that holding pattern. A little bit of a holding pattern. There's really I, that you being said. You can I buy books or nothing. I did, well, I, yeah, I already, yeah. Okay, there you go. There's your shut up. Um, but the one that I am interested in is the Primaris uh, Dreadnought. I, depending on the day, I kind of like it, and then the next day I hate it. Depending on whether or not I'm looking at the legs, the same thing. I don't. I like everything above the waist. Yeah, it's like. Whereas a, I don't. It's the shoulders like seem weird. It's it's a better Deradio, I think, kind of in my mind. Does that make sense to anybody? I could kind of see it. It doesn't have that insane body shape of a Derrideo Dreadnought. Yeah, it's still a gunboat. And the other one that has anybody seen that new Primaris Land Raider? Yep. 
The one you that mean looks the not like so a, Land Raider? The one that looks like a GT Snow Racer? Yeah, that one's not gonna get my money. I hope it has a picture <laughs> of Space Marine Brett Hull in the box. Oh my god! That would that be amazing. Be so good. Is uh, he a new Chapter Master? Oh man, Chapter Master Hall would be really sweet. Oh actually. fuck. I, and then his, his, his punchline, or his catchphrase would be like, Hold down! Oh. 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 See, I was just that assuming, was I was just assuming that, that, that very, yeah, that, that was painful. I was actually. just assuming that, like, a GT Snow Racer, it cannot steer, it just goes forwards or backwards <laughs> in straight lines. And injures children across the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Broken wrists for everyone. Yeah. Uh, no, but the, the Dreadnought I'm kind of interested in, and I would like to see one in person, because it could be huge and make a lot of sense and be awesome, but and I don't like, know. Like a lot of other Dreadnoughts, if you can transplant uh, Contemptor legs onto it and have yeah. it just look ten times better, yeah, that knows? could be a really easy fix as well, because the lower legs, for me, they're just, they're way too rounded and, like, egg-shaped. They don't have that boxy look that, like, every yeah. other area on the Dreadnought's supposed to have. So this kind of ties into my, uh, I did a little bit of, I played a game of eighth against uh, Dale's Dreadnought list. His Dreadnoughts are good. So they, that also adds a bit of a uh, bit yeah. of fun to it. Dreadnoughts are back. Strength twelve and not getting crippled by the first penetrating hit they take. Yeah, yeah, and not only that, the space wolf dreadnoughts are ridiculous good. Oh, because of like storm shields and stuff. Three plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> they're uh, yeah. I mean, they they actually are worth their points now. Like Bjorn is crazy good. So having like a couple of dreadnoughts on my salamanders list or fists or whatever I decide to do hmm. seems like a really good play. Like they're they're just solid so cool and they got uh, guys like Brayarth the uh, special character dreadnought yeah. if he remains unkillable that could be good yeah yeah I don't know what Ash Mantle's gonna be like but anyways point is I kind of am interested in that dreadnought but yeah. nothing beyond that sweet I guess for me uh, Maelstrom Gaming uh, they make it's a guy to Calgary his name's Jack and he makes a whole ton of accessories for Blood Bowl and if he's the guy where I, I believe the Golden Sausage that had some mats done up specifically for the event Powtown had some mats for the event, and he does a whole bunch of faction-specific ones mm. uh, for sale. And he either does them on a canvas, which are much more affordable, easier to transport for like large quantities for events, and he does them on the neoprene mats, much like you do get like from Frontline or Deep Cut yeah. or whatever else. And they look good. Yeah, this does look good. I quite like it. Not only is it pretty, but it's also really functional. He's got a bunch of yeah. the reference material on it. And oddly enough, this mat here takes up less real estate on a table than the official Games Workshop one. Hmm. How so? Because of the two pits. Yeah, the dugouts are fucking massive on that. Oh, I guess that makes yeah. Right. Yeah, Whereas the dugouts here are really small. It's it's intelligently designed. Okay, but the dugouts on the other mats they aren't part of the mat, are they? They're like separate pieces. It's yeah, a separate piece. Yeah, but it so, still takes up more oh, area really? on the table. Yes. Yeah. So this is barely larger than just the GDEV mat. Hmm. Uh, mind you, he does make one that's a 40 mil square. This one's a 34, and the 40 mil square one is a massive mat. I think that one's probably closer to your like full three feet wide, almost four feet long kind of thing. Yeah. But you've got space for days if you've got a bunch of big guys or whatever Minotaurs on the field. and trolls and shit. Yep. Yeah, this thing's this thing's pretty sweet. I like this. Uh, so it's what three by four? Or no, it's approximately three? two by three. Two by three. Yeah, you can get a lot of for a tournament. Like if these were on a canvas, that's a pretty solid setup for a Blood Bowl tournament. And cheap. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he also does a lot of token sets. Yeah. And they're super affordable. Like, like I think one of the things about this guy is it's all 
he's a guy that loves Blood Bowl and plays yeah. a lot of Blood Bowl, so he knows exactly what kind of products people would want and need. Yeah. And also makes them super affordable because he just wants people to have a really positive gaming experience. Yeah. So check it out, Maelstrom uh, Gaming. Lots of cool products. And I know that he does all of this. Like, this is all his own design that he did himself. Really? Mm-hmm. So if you want custom stuff done up for your event, he's into doing that stuff as well. Hmm. That's always so, what's going to be. And he's out of Calgary, so it's not like you're paying a fuck ton for shipping or anything either. I'd love to know what his his prices are on custom stuff, because that's usually where most time goes in the design side. So depending if that's reasonable, that could be really If you're getting good. any quantity done, I don't think it'd be that bad. Huh. And it would be interesting, interesting, too, if it's, like, a full custom mat versus, like, swapping out the team logo at the center of the pitch. Could be a yeah. very different amount of work required. Yeah, totally. Maybe, like, color shifting this to have purple and yellow instead of green and red if I wanted to get, like, a more yeah. Minnesota Vikings one specifically. Yeah, palette shifting would take no time in Photoshop. The problem, then, is how big of a run can you get printed for it, right? So, because your cost is going to also factor in there, too. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's me. Uh, I definitely bought one of his mats. Um, and then he donated or like they found a way to arrange for a bunch of tokens to be used as swag at Powtown, which was just fantastic. Hmm. Solid. Yeah. Uh, for myself, mostly I've been thinking of ways to make my primary space screens cost as much as possible by the time I'm done converting them. Oh, nice. So that's going to be fun. Uh, the the current clubhouse leaders for costing the most might be the uh, the flying heavy bolter. In are they the intercessors? What are they? Intercessors. Inceptors. Inceptors. I think no, the intercessors are the regular guys. I think they're inceptors. Yeah, you're but, talking those the jump pack dudes. Yeah, the bolt, heavy bolter, bolt cannon thing. Is there like a regular sized marine hiding inside of a Primaris marine? No, no, it's a Primaris marine with like. Jump pack. Anti-grav ski boots on and a giant Whoosh. jump pack. Yeah. And then dual wielding uh, heavy, heavy bolter bolters. pistols, basically. It was an Inception joke. I, yeah. I wasn't really actually caring. If they were if they were Centurion-style Inception Marines, that would be pretty awesome. Although yep. they would have to get a third level. You'd have Ooh. to go three deep. But the, the current plan for them, for example, in terms of converting is... Like, the stuff that I want to do is grab the jump pack off of the Raven Guard Dark Fury squad, like the winged, single-vent, like, old-school jetpack. Okay. And those guys are, like, seven pounds each or something just for the jump pack, and then it would be, like, buying forgeable shoulder pads. Or, like, I was actually thinking Tartarus Terminator arms for them because I don't really like the shoulder pads and converting them is a whole deal because of the one-piece construction. So it's like, oh, and I think the torso as well is thinking about swapping out the front torso and the back for um, Tartarus Space Marine Terminators. So basically, it's going to take like three expensive models to make one model. I love it. It's going to get real affordable. Nice. But you're making real Raven Guard specific models and they should look real good. And Gav Thorpe on Twitter liked my idea, so I pretty much have to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because he wrote like a lot of the Raven Guard books for the heresy. Hmm. And I was all like, just finished reading one of the heresy books, so like the the Weregeld story in the back of uh, Korax. Yep. And I was like, just finished reading Weregeld, totally need to find ways to make these guys more expensive, and yeah. Now that it's endorsed by the author, I pretty much have to do it. 100%. Yeah, you, should, you 100% do that. So that's, with Tom. So that's going to be complicated. But it could work, <laughs> maybe. Mm-hmm. Don't get expensive. It's going to be cool, though. And like, it's not like you're... You've got a lot of that army already built and assembled and everything. It's not like this oh, is yeah. like an add-on to an existing army. It's not like you're 
you're approaching this from the standpoint of, I want to build an army around these guys. Yeah, there's like 80-some models painted for that army, so just painting a couple of oversized Space Marines is not so bad. Absolutely. I probably will not be getting the GT Snow Racer, though. That's a shame. I'm going to say hold judgment until you see it in person, because Games Workshop, as of late, has been absolutely horrible for taking pictures and making models look good. But... Most of their Space Marine stuff has bucked that trend. Like, a lot of it photographs really well. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird looking... It looks like somebody's weird kit bash. It doesn't look like it's a real thing. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Whereas my style all these years has been, like, make conversions that look elegant and they could have come off a production line. But this one did come off a production line. But it looks like it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about it, but it's not looking good. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Mike, what about you? I bought the 40K starter set. There we go. Wow. Done. Isn't Let's that just on. assumed that we all just bought it? On. I didn't buy the starter I set. I bought it. You're weird. I didn't buy it. No, not at all. I don't need it. I don't need it at all. Needing is never the question. <laughs> Would you love, Wait, you think I need it? No, but you have Death Guard. What, what am I going to do with the Death Guard? Give him to Mike? Give him to Mike. Mike would just have more Death Guard. <laughs> Mike would have thousands and thousands of points of Death Guard by the end of our starter set binge. No, but the reason I didn't pick it up is because looking at the new Four Sword charts, I don't need all of that stuff. Just straight up. Like, uh, I only need five of the regular Primaris Marines and my... Because then I have a patrol uh, formation, so that's ready to go for my Imperial Fists. I have to paint up five Imperial Fists. So why would I buy the box set? Because I'm not entirely really wanting the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I didn't get the box set either. I just ordered the orc book and or the book with the orcs in it. Yeah. And the um, Xenos two and the rule book. Yeah, Xenos two. And then I did get the tactical objective cards because yeah, hopefully they will be. They look a lot better. They look useful. Yeah. Um, and the way that they're played now, like with being able to discard them, is is. Yeah, way infinitely better. Yeah, so that's, and I think I, yeah, it wasn't even that expensive through through Roy, so no, it was nice. pretty good. Yeah, whereas awesome. I got the starter set, Imperial 1 and 2, and the dice. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to pick up all the Imperial books. What? It's 25 bucks each? Yeah. It's not that bad. All the Imperial books and all the Xenos books. I think he's out of luck. He had to do it by the 10th. Yeah, that's fine. Well, so you won't get your, like, a couple bucks off. That's fine. It's okay. Well, you won't but get still, extra bucks. $25 each is full price. Yeah. It's not, not that bad. I thought they were 30 full price. Yeah. It's sort of really? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. they are. Either way, I don't, Whatever. I don't really care. They were cheap. <laughs> it's super affordable is what it comes down to. So, like, they're setting it up where this time around I got the, if I was paying full price, I get the rulebook and the Xenos 2 for the same price as 7th edition rulebook. Yeah. So... Like really, what can you what can you argue with there? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think we have a ward here. Is it a ward? Did you lock him out? I did, but I can unlock him from here. Okay, fair enough. Um, Science. Well, why don't we? Are we? Should we stall for a minute or just move right into the next segment? We um, should move right into the next segment. You can jump right into the base code. I like this musical intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough of that shit. Um, okay, so base coding. Uh, why do you do it? What is it for? What other weird questions did Ward give us on this thing? 
Um, Come up with your own damn questions. Well, then why do you write them in there in the first place, Ward? Just so we can get the conversation going. Okay, well, we're starting the conversation with importance of proper base codes. Setting up your foundation. Guys, how do you like to use foundation? Uh, I like to use it as a base for my further makeup. Yeah, yep. I saw that though. I knew, I knew that was going. I, there. I believe it. You're getting into newscasting, aren't you? Right? I am. So, yeah, that, yes. makes, that makes total sense. Do a lot of bronzer now. So, <laughs> I mean, with 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 base coats, what I found is a lot of times that people wouldn't do a, a proper base coat of like a metallic necessarily over like a black coat, and then they would try to layer on the next color with the black really seeing through, and. It, so there's just something wrong with that, right? And that's why, like, establishing the base coat, I think, is, like, it's your foundation for building upon shading and highlighting, right? So, Yeah, well, really, I think a good way to approach it is, much like most other things you do in life, your final product is typically only as good as your, as your starting point. And if you're getting a nice, solid, smooth base coat, it's going to look so much better than if you're just half-assing it and hoping to fix it later. Just so you know, this doesn't mean glooping it on. <laughs> two thin <laughs> coats, Duncan Road style. Yes. <laughs> well, really, two thin coats is a great start. Maybe it's some colors need three. No. Maybe it needs ten, because it's yellow. That's why you start with an ochre, and then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, pig the pigment is a big factor, too, right? Like, yeah, you might have to be doing multiple, multiple coats for, like, those yellows and those reds, but, I mean, if you get a solid blue you or green, you should be able to do it in one, one coat. Potentially, depending on the paint. I think I never assume to do it in one coat. Always, always plan for two. It's kind of my general rule where that way I'm not going to try and force it and put it on thicker than it needs to be. I'm not going to fuck around. Like it's, you can do the first thin coat and then go back and touch it up. Like if your mentality is always it's going to be two, you're never going to get frustrated. Yeah, you'll never be let down with one. Yeah, I mean, that, that even goes to say with, like, airbrushing, too. A lot of people think airbrushing, you get away with one coat, uh, just lay it on thick. That's disastrous. Uh, it, you get uh, orange peeling yeah. and running and, yeah. Yeah, I think with your base coating, you're right. The, the thin coats is exactly correct. We're totally ripping off our GW uh, host, I guess, but, hey, he's right. Yeah, so I guess uh, the next question on here, or comment piece for conversation is blocking in your colors so i guess the question for you guys is do you like to block out all the colors before you paint yeah. the rest of the model actually or no i i don't i don't either that's i totally do 100 percent. for me sometimes that depends where if it's if it's a color scheme that i know inside note and i've done a million times before i don't do that very often because i i kind of know how it's all going to come together just from experience but it's a one-off piece or something that, like, a character where maybe you're doing a variation on the color scheme or something like that, and you're not 100% sure in your head how the color scheme is going to balance out. Blocking out at least the majority of the colors can give you a really good sense of, is this going to work before you go ahead and do the all the different layers of base coating, shading, highlighting, weathering, whatever, and then realize, oh, these colors don't actually go together all that well. Yeah. For me, it can be more of, like, a composition aid sort of a thing when you're doing a new project or something you're not as familiar with yeah see for me it's it's the reason i say yes is because most of the things that i paint tend to be rather clean and smooth uh models and i always end up blocking them out in the way i guess masking is, a, is effectively a sense of blocking things out yep like i lay down all of my base coats via an airbrush and i mask everything out 
and effectively block in all my my colors. Um, so yeah, I guess I kind of block everything out, but I, I don't do it by brush. Like if I'm brush painting a miniature, I'll kind of just go uh, more organically, I guess. Yeah, and for me, honestly, one of the things that I often find myself doing when I'm working on models is I will block out everything, and then it's especially if you're starting with more of a mid-tone than an actual, like, than the, the darkest color moving your way up. Um, I'll then do a wash over the whole model, like a dip, but not a super heavy one. So then it helps give me a little bit of definition between the colors, and you can kind of see, get a bit of a sense of where some of that natural shading can go. And then from there, I'll go back and, like, manually shade a lot of colors in. Okay, like, uh, to me, this sounds like you're talking, like, uh, your test model. Like, if I'm doing my test colors... I'll do. I'll block all the colors, and then I'll do all the things to go from there. But once I'm actually painting, I know what I want, and I'm painting. Then it's one color. Then I'll move on to the next one. No, I the like these one. guys. All these orcs were done with that exact style. No, no. I'm just saying. For me, I will block in on my first one, but anything subsequent. Once I realize this is what I want, this is what I need. Then it's. I'll do all the red. Then I'll go back. I'll do all the flesh. Because you know it works together at that yeah. point. Then. Yeah, gotcha. to yeah. me it's just a, just to see if it works, and once I got that, then that's when I break it down and I don't block out everything. Whereas for me, I find it's a lot faster to do it this way, because then when you are doing your base coats, you don't have to be super pristine, because you're going to be covering it back over with paint afterwards, as long as it's a smooth coverage of color on everything. Which is the important part. Which is the key part here. Like it, You can't fuck around with getting that solid block of color. But when you're doing all of the base coats at once, you don't have to worry about, like, oh, what if I'm getting paint on this beautiful progression that's already in this other spot. Whereas if I, let's say I'm look like these orcs, for example, let's say the first thing I do is all the purple. Cause I'm like excited to paint all the purple. And then I go back and I'm trying to paint the green around the fully finished purple. Well, that's silly, including base coats. The deeper areas first. Well, but, but then let's say you do the deeper areas first and you're doing the purple and I'm going to do a highlight here and it swashes over the green that's finished. Right. If you're, if you're getting be better, <laughs> sure. I could take way more time doing it. Or I could just be faster. Yeah, with but you know what? Yeah. If I do it my way, I'm really fast. I, the red is done. Fast. It doesn't matter if I splash color anywhere else. It's done. It's pristine. It's perfect. Now I just have to slow down a bit and be careful at this point when I do the other colors. So I get my speed, my initial burst, which is usually why I do the most predominant color first. Or the uh, sorry, I do the deepest crevice first, which is usually flesh. Then I usually do the most prominent color, and then I move from there. And that way, you can be a little more sloppy and get it done faster. And then just as you go further along in your progression, you just have to tidy it up a little bit. Fair enough. There's there's merits for both ways, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, w- it's how what you what your style is, what you feel like. I yeah. Guess. I already paint slow, so I mean, yeah. going the. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, did you? Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. So I find that. Blocking it all out, I'm I'm not happy with the look of it, and I'm less excited to continue to the next step. Whereas if I finish a color, I'm like, yeah, that that red looks awesome, that blue looks awesome. Now let's throw in the next color and like make the model progress itself. So it's almost more psychological than anything at that I, point. I think at this point, yes. Fuck you. Yeah, it's like when I finished <laughs> painting Imperial Fist yellow, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, and I guess for me the other thing too is that the thing I hate doing the most is base coating. So if I can just find an opportunity, especially for like a painting night or anything else, just sit down and uh, and push my way through all the base coats, then everything else I'm doing on the model is pure fun. 
No, that's true. I, I mean, in in the group painting lessons, or not painting lessons, but in the group paint nights, it's it's tough because yeah, usually I don't bring a lot of models to like block in. Usually it's only like a single one or two, and that point it's working on like a single color on those three models, right? So I mean, everybody's got a different take on it, right? Some people really like the blocking in. Especially if you're if you're washing like uh, your technique, uh, Tom, I think that works really good because then yeah, you can see all the cracks and crevices and the definition between the colors and go from there. It works. So I'm not knocking it. Each to their own. Fair except enough. You're, except you're wrong. All right, Ward, you have any other questions listed in here? Even first layer. I think we covered that. Make it. We did. We make make it nice and even. Yeah. Don't fuck around. <laughs> like if you're gonna spend time. As fucked up as this sounds, if you are going to spend a ton of time on any step of painting your model, it's your base coats. Yep. Especially if you're painting with your mid-tones that you then shade down and highlight up. Yeah. I learned that very quickly when I tried to brush paint my first couple of tanks. Right? Like, if you don't spend the time to do a proper good job with that base coat, it not, doesn't matter how good you yeah. do the rest of the, the model. You're fighting quite an uphill battle the rest yeah. of the way, especially if there's streakiness or, yeah. like, the coats are too thick and there's, like, texture now, brush strokes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're fighting an uphill battle if you don't start off on the right foot. Kids these days got the colored sprays, though, from GW. You know, we didn't we didn't have that back. Well, actually, we no. Actually we actually did, if you go back well, to, like, Oh, if you go back 90s. way far enough. Well, the hard thing is... Blood Angels red that was pink. We were in the weird gap where, like... Early in our hobby career, they had them, and then they like were fit. so bad. What yeah, was, they yeah. were not no, color they matched. Were, they, they were not the same. And then there's the fifteen years. The Ultramarines blue was not Ultramarines blue. <laughs> it's same with same with the red. <laughs> and again, they were gone by the time we were like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a bonus though of the of the sprays is yeah, sure you can you can spray the model and have it like a solid color. But on the flip side is you're gonna actually have to flip the model upside down just to make sure you're getting that spray can uh, where, exactly where you want it, right? So there is that. Um, on the flip side, I, I feel that a lot of people skip the base coating stage, um, and they they want to like learn a technique as their first thing, right? So yeah. not to knock it, Mike, but dry brushing is usually the first thing that they want to learn. And you know, I wouldn't have knocked it if you hadn't <laughs> mentioned me in the same sentence as dry brushing. I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to make sure we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Don't you worry. <laughs> Yeah. So page if, of murder. if you don't have <laughs> an established color uh, blocked in on your model and then you dry brush, it's going to look like garbage. Yeah. Not going to lie. That's true. That's true. There's nothing worse. Actually, one of the things that I find that does always looks horrific is when people paint watery paint and hair and you get super defined color in the recesses and then they dry brush over top of it and you get this bizarre transition of like solid rich color in the recess and then it gets washed out and kind of funny and then you get the highlight color on the top of the hair yeah. and you're like what happened here yeah it's weird because with some kinds of fur technically a lot of animals like they might the, uh, the low the skin and the lower levels of the fur are actually lighter and the darker hairs on top but mm. on that scale it does not work the same no way. and that yeah. also is usually washed out over white or whatever else is yeah. going on like it just <laughs> yeah that's that's one of the things you need to make sure that those coats are even and solid and i think that's basically all there is to it yeah i don't think there's really much else we can say on base coating other than fucking take your time and do it well yeah it is worth it yep okay cool moving on okay uh blood bowl holy shit like where the fuck have you been <laughs> 
Uh, it's been it's been with us this entire time. Yeah, I thought Blood Bowl uh, had actually, died, but I was wrong. It just went underground. So <laughs> that was that was super cool. Okay, so I would imagine everyone listening to this knows that Blood Bowl is a game that's been re-released by Games Workshop. Um, and I was talking to some of the Blood Bowl guys, and apparently, kind of one of the stories about two years ago, Jervis Johnson went to the Blood Bowl Worlds in Europe, mm-hmm. and there was something like. 1,200 players Holy yeah. at this Kids. tournament, yeah, which is a lot for which, any yeah. game system. That's way bigger than any 40K, uh, Age of Sigmar, War Machine, singles event ever. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I and, can't believe it. That's crazy. Because he created the game, uh, and so he went back to Games Workshop. I was like, hey, guys. We need like, to make more money off this again. Yeah, like yeah, apparently this sells. Um, well, no, but that makes perfect sense though, because this this is one of the only GW games that's translated into a, a turn based computer game perfectly. Console, yeah. console, well. yeah. I mean, the Blood Bowl computer game has been out there in various iterations for a long time with online play. People kept the community going. Like you didn't need to be at uh, at a games store or a hobby shop or whatever you're doing on the weekend to to get a game, and you can do that all the time. Well, but not even that, but there was third-party companies that were making Blood Bowl models for years, and because the rulebook was free online, a ton of people have been playing this game. Yeah. Uh, Your cost of entry is super low. You need a pitch, you need some models, you need some block dice. Yeah. That's it. And that is so affordable. And you can get the models from any company effectively, because they're really interchangeable. Like, you need certain types, but as long as you know what those types are, they're basically chess pieces. Yeah, and those companies like Impact out of the States that was making a lot of yep. models. Um, and anyway, so the community has been thriving. and Underground. One, underground. Well, kind of unbeknownst to us. Like, we yeah. weren't really involved in that community. I knew about it. I just didn't care. Yeah, but that's also because <laughs> when we were exposed to Blood Bowl, it was kind of, it was a different game. Like, the people that played it were not into the the strategy game side of things as much like like 4K they were I would say that they were into the strategy but, but maybe they, more competitive side of that whereas were, there was more of like the role playing side we just still didn't, involved. our group of friends just weren't into it ultimately there was yeah. one yeah, one guy so. in particular I mean Steve Fitzpatrick who really wanted to play and everybody else was like I guess we'll play so it's it's tough to really get that enthusiasm going when one person yeah. talked about it and everyone else is just doing it cuz kind of feeling like, oh, I should do it because this, this good friend of mine wants me to do it. But I don't know. It was just, I think if you had that good community locally, it would have been easier to get a lot more excited. And apparently we just didn't st- have that here. Well, but we did. We just didn't know about it. And Well, we had Gorka Morka here in Edmonton. We would sell more Gorka Morka than like anyone else in the continent. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, one of the things that has happened is that uh, I think it was probably like 15, 20 years ago, the NAF started, and that has been an international... Uh, community and resource for all Blood Bowl players. So the National Association of Football. I don't even know what it stands for because I asked a veteran <laughs> Blood Bowl player and he's like, I don't know. It's the, the 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 NAF is in the original fluff for Blood Bowl. Ah, so cool. I like that. I didn't realize it was actually a thing. I was hoping there was something. No, it's actually in the Blood Bowl fluff, and I'm sure Dan's googling it right now. But uh, Nurglings, Aliphs, and Frankenstein. That makes perfect sense. Well, Frankenstein say, is in Blood Bowl, so... <laughs> I was going to say the National Argentinian Federation. <laughs> I don't know. Mike? I'm trying to find... Yeah. The, the NAF no, website doesn't spell it out. Though. No, it's, it's just <laughs> NAF. It's just the NAF. Um, but anyway, so... I th- one of the things that was really interesting is that because it's a game that wasn't supported, that wasn't really sold in the stores, the people that play Blood Bowl do it because they fucking love Blood Bowl. Oh, known association of football. 
I'm there still on that. Oh. I'm just thinking about this. Uh, you keep going. Or the Nolan Athletics Federation? Nolan Athletics Federation. I bet you that's what it is. We can we can move on, Dan. Yeah, I think we figured it nope. out. I'm not giving up. But anyway, so there's a lot of these a lot of these guys, and I went down to a tournament in Calgary that had 32 players for Blood Bowl, mm. which. In all honesty, it's hard to get 32 players for a tournament. For any system. For any system. Yeah. Like, we've even seen a lot of, like, 40K and Age of Sigmar events. They're around the 20-player mark, typically. 20 to 28. Like, yeah. cresting above 30 is hard for every single game system in Alberta. Yeah, and that's that's. I think that's kind of indicative of, of how close-knit the community still is. Like, with... With 40K, you used to see 40 players, 50 players. I think at one time in, in you had a, the old hall. Oh, out of the basement, yeah. used to get 50 um, 40K players every year. I want to say that one time you were close to 60 on 40K. What? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes in waves, right? But a lot of those 40K players are also playing other games. And I, I'm not sure about the Blood Bowl community, but I don't think a, there's a lot of crossover necessarily. Like, yeah, the yeah, Blood Bowl players might have stuck with Blood Bowl, and that's what they play, and that's why... The, the community and that was still. just it. Like there's maybe out of all the guys I talked to, which was a lot of the people at the event, twenty um, percent were actively playing other games. Yeah, that's surprising to me because I think with any other tournament system you go to, it's going to be a lot of overlap. Yeah, Age of Sigmar, Forty K. I mean, you probably have fifty percent of players in either system that uh, cross over, and of those, probably another I don't know thirty percent play War Machine or whatever. Right? Yeah, like. But what was really interesting is that talking to the organizers, there was about 50% players at this event that they've seen and known for a long time, and about 50% were new faces. That is surprising. Huh. That, that's a good... But I mean, you know what? I don't think that is surprising. Uh, not with the resurgence of Blood Bowl, I don't think so. Yeah. Like, the with the new kits that have been released, I think you have a lot more people that are exposed to GW stuff. They may not play 40k, they may not play fantasy... But they definitely are, you know, uh, looking at, like, io9 sometimes releases, you know, uh, GW-based articles for their new systems. I can't Im- imagine that that isn't exposed there somewhere. Well, and these new models are so affordable. Yeah, yeah those, these yeah. boxes are so much cheaper than starting, like, you're not starting a faction where you're going to buy $300 from the models. Yeah. Your team is, like, 40 bucks. Yeah. Well, and if you go, let's say you're going, like, real deep into this, and if I was wanting to have the options for... All of the positionals that they call them for like blockers, blitzers, yep. whatever else. I'm looking at eighty dollars for two orc boxes. Yeah. I'm looking at twenty dollars for a single box of four goblins, and I'm looking at I think twenty five or thirty bucks for a troll. Three. And that is every single possible model outside yep. of star players that I could conceivably field in my orc army. And it's still the squ- cost of like a squad or two from another game. Yeah. It's barely more than a get started box. It'll yeah. be a hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing that I think is a, is a smart play that keeps people coming back to the game is the star players. They feel like the old-style special characters where it's like, yeah, I'll pick one up maybe every you know, year, paint it up, have it as part of my army, and it, it's just yeah. that centerpiece sort of thing where it's not a huge investment, but you can still collect. The White Dwarf and the Black Goblin, for example, are yeah. up on the Forge World website right now, and I assume that, like a lot of their other stuff, it might be a limited run as well. Yeah, so I can see the appeal of why there's a lot of new faces at this event. Like, 
Makes sense. Would you also say that the computer game and console games, this is like the first version that's really come out for Blood Bowl after those releases too? So that's another possibly like cross yeah. from people that are normally like video gamers that are like, hey, this Blood Bowl game is cool. Oh my goodness, they're releasing like a box set of this? I think it's hard to say because a lot of the people I talk to that are avid Blood Bowl players use that as a way to play Blood Bowl with people they, they know out of out of town, out of province. Yeah. I haven't heard... I've never really talked to people that don't play Blood Bowl that are super into the Blood Bowl video game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I never know... I never know whether to expect anybody who... If he's just somebody that plays video games, like somebody plays whatever, like Total War... Oh, this Total War Warhammer, I'll try this out. I don't know if those are the kind of people that'll go run and buy... The tabletop board game, like no. if you were a pure video gamer. Before. No, I think I think you're totally right that it goes the other way more than anything. Where it, like if yeah. there was a there was a 40k video game, we'd probably play a lot more games of 40k. Well, what? there is, but it hasn't been released in the last 20 years. No, but I'm talking about a game that is modern graphics that looks good that has exactly the same rule set as 40k. Well, I'm trying to remember the name of the Final Liberation, game. bitches. Final Liberation. That was also epic. Chaos Gate. Yeah, well, Chaos Gate was the expansion. Don't worry, I have it. Uh, um, <laughs> Partitions for days. <laughs> it, was, it was actually pretty good. But it was epic 40K. There that was, was my first exposure to this universe. Really? Final Liberation? Yes. It's not a great game. But I thought lift, it was awesome. The lift to drop is pretty sweet. No, just that. just the Gargants and Stompas yeah. with the, like, chest guns. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I, I'll give you that. But I was always, anyways, we're, we're totally digressing. I was an Imperial <laughs> player. I love the Warlord Titans. Ooh. Who didn't? Yeah, they're so cool. Anyways, but yeah, so it's... There is that thing that helps sustain it, but, like, holy shit, man. It was such a positive community, because everyone is there because they love the game, and there's so many different awards at the event, there's kind of something for everybody. Okay. So, at the event, they had an award for most brutal, so that's the most casualties inflicted. <laughs> they had an event, like they had an award for most touchdowns, they had an award for the best defense, so fewest touchdowns scored against. Okay. They had an award for best painted, best sport, uh, best gen- like the best team, and then the runner up. So effectively, they're doing like the league awards, like the like the NHL yeah, awards that they do. Absolutely. So, for yeah. example, um, I went down uh, with a car full of people that have like maybe played a handful of games. I played a ton twelve years ago, yeah, but only played one game in the last twelve years leading up to this event. Yeah, nice and. And then, like, uh, my buddy Luke uh, went down. He's like, you know what? I don't think I can win this event, but I'll be damned if I don't get fucking most brutal. <laughs> and he That's did. Awesome. The old Jay Griffiths approach. That's awesome. But it was really funny because we went down and it was we had our, like, I'm sure you've seen. entirely the Jay Griffiths approach. <laughs> I don't want to play this game, so no one's going to have fun. I'm well, just no. going to kill all your players and lose by 10, but you will have no players left. <laughs> I think he had, like, two touchdowns on the weekend. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. but, uh, but it's fun because at the end of every game Your team re- roster resets So it's not like you're getting crippled for the next game If everyone's oh, killed okay, It's not a league It's, just it's, a one-off it's not a game. league, it's a tournament right? So yeah. in this format it's actually kind of fun yeah. right? um, So just there was Luke And Mike Who I gotta say this was the most fucked up thing ever So this guy Mike um, We're talking in the car on the way down Not this Mike Not Mike yeah, I was here. Say Mike's right here Mike, uh, I think his last name is Maxwell um, but anyway, so we're talking about the games that we used to play, and it comes up that I've talked about my old Ark army that's all grots and these weird conversions, and he's like, weird, you know, I played against an army that was, like, sounds similar to that at Conflict in 2004. 
Whoa. And I was like, yeah, that was me. So apparently there was one game that was the last 40K tournament that either of us ever played in because all but one of the games we had was shit and we hated it. And, like, th- we were the only game that we enjoyed against each other because we both had a, our opponent's no-show, and so we just played a game for funsies. Oh, that's awesome. So he was playing with Dark Angels, I had my Grot Army, and we just laughed our way through the whole game and then moved on with the misery that was playing against 40k players in 4th edition. Okay, that's fair, yeah. Um, and then both proceeded to quit the fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, and so, yeah, apparently we were opponents from way back when, and, uh... Still playing. Did, did you get to play him against, uh, this weekend? Yeah, I did. It was great. <laughs> it was a really good game, actually. Uh, but, like, I don't know if you guys saw it, a few of the events that I've gone to for War Machine with Luke and Rob. We have those, like, thrash metal vests yeah. with, like, nerdy patches on them. Yeah. Mike also got one done up for this event. Nice. And so our car went down. We all these like metal vests on, like the for those that don't know, like a jean vest with patches and buttons and shit. And pieces of flare. We, yeah. the, flare. So much flare. we flare. were ranked first, <laughs> second, and fourth for most brutal. Whoa! Oh, <laughs> for most casualties inflicted, which is funny because taking I, the metal thing a little too serious. I was I was fourth. I wasn't even really trying. I was trying to get janky touchdowns all weekend, but just at the same time, if a block was there, I'd take it. Yeah, of course. Right? Um, so Luke got, ended up getting most brutal. Was there an award for most fouls? No. Because that would be my favorite. Fouls actually did not count for casualties. For Oh, boo. It had to be legit casualties because fouls are too easy. And there's oh, also no. the kickoff table result where you intimidate the ref and he won't call fouls on you. Oh, and that is bullshit when it happens. And That's then so my good. ogre is dead. Fuck you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you still remember this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because Jay was playing the, I'm not going to try to win, I'm going to foul every single turn. Yeah. And the kickoff to start the game was his team happened to intimidate the ref, and the ref would not call fouls on him. That's awesome. So he just murdered players left and right. And this was a campaign. Like That's awesome. Those those deaths matter. See, I like playing my Skaven in Blood Bowl, because then immediately I just want to stab everybody when they're down, because that's how you play Skaven. Yeah, Obviously. as you should. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, Barry, actually, also from Edmonton, uh, got the most touchdowns with his Skaven. Yeah, of course, because Skaven are the best. Um, and it was funny, because Mike, the, the guy the that I was talking Skaven. about, his dwarves won Best Painted for the event as well. Nice. Uh, which is really good. And... Uh, Alex, the other guy in our car, who didn't have the vest, ended up getting the Wooden Spoon Award. <laughs> That'll teach him for not having a vest. No, but there was so many cool prizes at, at Powtown that he actually got an entire fully painted by uh, Justin. Oh, that was what he was working on it when we saw yeah. him at, in Red Deer. No, no, he did this like the night before, because he did that. For, he, he painted the army for Red Deer, at Red Deer. He painted what? an underworld team. For Powtown, uh, this is Justin Clark, who's yeah. a great commission painter. He if you need some more stuff done, way too fast too. Yeah, it gets like some real great quality stuff for like super fast, really affordable. If you need to get some painting, I had done. no idea he got that army done for the event at the event. Yes, that is savage. Yes, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, but anyway, so he did up an underworld team, which for those of you that are new to Blood Bowl or maybe new to haven't followed up with Blood Bowl lately, is Underworld's actually a mix of Skaven, uh, Skaven and, and Goblins. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay, so some cave dwellers. So cave dwellers. He did up a full underworld team uh, that was actually then given away to the Wooden Spoon guy. And it was hilarious because at just, lunch... just occurred to me, you could prime them black and hit them with gloss varnish, 
and then just have like shitty underworld vampire theme. Oh god, so shiny and plastic. But uh, it was it was hilarious because Alex was actually saying at lunch because he was playing goblins, getting his ass kicked. He's like, I should pick up some Skaven models and go underworld. <laughs> and there you go. And then got that. So, um, so anyways, I guess I'm I'm kind of being a little bit tangential here because the event was really cool. It was everyone was there having a great time. There was jokes and laughs to be had by all. Um, the swag was off the hook. Like, you got a full token set. Like, imagine any of the acrylic token sets you're going to be going out and buying for the game that you play. It's as detailed and intensive as that, and I you can, got it. I can imagine a lot of token sets. Yeah, right? <laughs> Free with the event. You got dice with the event. You got uh, coin. You got a patch. There was a ton of raffle products. And then the neat thing is that kind of tying this back in uh, to NAF. When you buy a membership for NAF, so you can be involved in like the ranking systems, they've got communication between Blood Bowl coaches. You can find coaches all over the world or locally or whatever you want to play against. Um, you get swag for every year that you sign up for, and it's five bucks a year. So I just throw it through a twenty at Lair, who's running the event, and got a ton more dice. That's awesome. So I went to this one event, and I now have all of the accessories to play Blood Bowl that I could ever possibly need. <laughs> That's not so bad. Which was pretty fantastic. I went down there with my team. That's pretty cool. And I came back with everything I need to play the game. So. Yeah, you got mats and coins and all kinds of shit all over you, the table. And you got the mat, too? Well, I bought the mat um, off of Jack. Oh. You missed that part. Where oh, you weren't I missed. Yeah, you so this is my shit. I would take my money. It's um, gotcha. Maelstrom Gaming. He, a guy in Calgary makes Blood Bowl mats. Nice. So, And they're fantastic. Um, but it's really kind of... It, it weirds me out. I've been to a lot of events over the years for dozens of different game systems, and this was probably one of the most genuine, honest, good-time events I've ever been at, because there's all kinds of motivation or incentive for playing all different kinds of ways. Because the, the match is reset at the end of the, of the round, it doesn't matter what happens. Um, a lot of people are doing this because they love the game. And the rules are hilarious. Like, I was, I spent more time laughing about throwing goblins around the pitch or laughing when my troll would try to eat my goblins or when he was being stupid for fucking four turns in a row and wouldn't do anything. Yeah, that's the worst. Uh, I played with ogres before I know that pain. Um, but it was always a laugh, right? Because Blood Bowl is that game where even in those moments where I, my troll wouldn't fucking do anything, my opponent would try to do a dodge, do their reroll, fail, and their turn would end. You know, like... There's bad luck happens for everybody, and you just deal with it, live with it, and move on, and just enjoy giggling and, and roll, laughing dice, or giggling and rolling dice and laughing and all those kind of fun things. And this so. was a two day event, right? Yeah. yeah, I played six games of Blood Bowl in two days, and in honest, honestly, because um, Blood Bowl has the really nice clear cut mat, really clear rules. <laughs> there was not the same level of attrition that I found playing in like a five day or five game fantasy event or War Machine or Malifaux or whatever else. Like by the end of the day on day two, I was like, I could play another game of Blood Bowl. Really? That is surprising. That is how you know it's a good tournament. Yeah, right? When, when it's not just full burnout by the end of it? Yeah. yeah, it was like nine o'clock on Saturday. We'd already played four games that day, and a handful of us are like, why don't we do five? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's really solid. Like I know with 40k events, usually at the end of the the event, kind of like I'm good for a month, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like looking up who's in Edmonton of like when's the next season starting up for the leagues happening because they're also the neat thing is that they have um, three to six months depending on what league you're part of seasons 
where you'll play a team and you can do the whole roster generation, get skills for players, whatever else, and actually play out a league in the city. Nice. That's awesome. And they've been going on for years. So Underground. Underground. Or like at First Red Club. Blood Bowl. Fun fact, there actually has been a league going on for a long time. Of all the gaming stores in Edmonton, Warp 2. Really? Hmm. I would not have picked that one. Was Brad involved? I have no idea. But on the topic of underground, like, Blood Bowl leagues, could there be a more random nerd store in the city than Warp 2? Warp 3. No, because Warp 3 has a lot of gaming stuff in it. Warp 2 is the one that got rid of it all. No, because Warp 2 expanded into the other side there. You didn't play as much uh, Attack Wing as me and Dan did. So okay, fair. You might not have been aware of it. But the last I heard, they sold all their (laughs) miniatures. We were playing at Warp 1, though, what? Warp 2 is the one on 97th, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I played at Warp 2. I went to some events. I didn't go to any um, Attack Wing stuff at Warp 2. I was going to Warp 1. Anyways, last I heard, they sold all their miniatures. Yeah, there's a lot of Warps in the city, but (laughs) I think five years ago, they got rid of all the miniatures they had in that store. And were exclusively, exclusively moving towards just having comics and cards and collectibles. collectibles. Yeah. So I imagine maybe getting into the attack wing, whatever else kind of supported that. Cause that's such a great game system. It's really kids, sustainable. So some lines. Um, <laughs> that's why I sold all of mine. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm surprised you found a buyer <laughs> other than this one. Uh, I didn't need any of it. <laughs> it was a bad last name joke, Dan. Oh, Buyer, I am a buyer. Buyer, yes. Yeah, you got it. That is, that is my name. Yeah, so. <laughs> anyways, if you are curious about Blood Bowl, feel free to ask. Uh, on our page, there are, like, the NAF uh, is a great resource. If you just Google, like, NAF Blood Bowl, you'll find it. Uh, there's a couple different Blood Bowl communities. Both There's, like, an Alberta tournament scene Blood Bowl page. There's an Edmonton Blood Bowl page, for on, both on Facebook. You can check those out, get tons of info. Uh, I know there are going to be more events coming up. The next one that I know of is the E-Town Beatdown sometime in September. So they have a really amusing names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Golden Sausage. Yeah, well, that one was actually rented out of the basement because Todd Panchuk, okay, has, but, uh, yeah. he has the Old Country Meats, and he sponsored the Golden Sausage with a, a fucking sausage. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty ridiculous. I like that. So... And the E-Town Beatdown is coming up? Yeah, in September. Uh, there's, I think more info is coming. Okay. Because it's still June, so. Yeah, yeah, lots of time. But, uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I highly recommend it. Everyone that I played against, especially some of the more veteran players, were so supportive with me, like, relearning all the rules. Um, because these are all guys that love the game, and they want to see more people playing and loving the game that they love. Mm-hmm. It's not like you've got your 40k players or your Malifaux players or your Infinity players who get really excited about that game for like a year and then move on to the next game, right? A lot of these Blood Bowl guys only play Blood Bowl and have done so for 25 years. So. Yeah. yeah, I found out what NAF stands for. What is it? Nuffle Amorical Football. Oh. No, I would I, never have guessed that. <laughs> Nuffle, because I think I think Nuffle is the god of Blood Bowl in the fluff. Oh, but the Nuffle American football is the name in the fluff of the organization that runs Blood Bowl. I'm gonna go with so. Non Athletic Federation because it's way better. It's less. You do a human team. Let's let's make some T-shirts. Yeah, we should. <laughs> with the NAF logo, which is like the wrong words underneath. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
That would be fantastic. Like jerseys and just like our number on the back. So just our alternative facts T-shirts. Yeah. I kind of now want to get Hobbin in Canada football jerseys though, just for Blood Bowl. Can we get the Hobbin in Canada short pants? Yeah. Okay. Good. Perfect. That's all I want. <laughs> Seriously, in football, why do they have short pants? They're the weirdest things. Doesn't make any sense. Why would they have long pants? I don't know. So they don't look so weird. Because the short pants just cover the pads, and then they have socks for the rest. Because they want. They want I think they're also the tighter fitting, so you can't like grab on as easily too. Then why are the jerseys so loose? They're not. They're pretty loose. They're loose They're if you're not wearing not. pads. Uh, Did you ever play football? Have you ever watched football? Yeah, I have. They, like the old football jerseys that hang down? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You mean like the practice roster jerseys, not well, the official was, ones? Anyway, the point is they're funny pants. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters here. Go watch baseball, you or baseball watching guy. <laughs> I will. I will, except the Jays lost real bad tonight. <laughs> Only by seven. <laughs> Maybe I should take Don't. off my hat. <laughs> You might want to hide that logo. It didn't right work. Now. It didn't work. Every time they get close to 500, they just shit the bed again. Oh no, good. It's just what they do. So yeah, I, I honestly, I have not had more fun at a tournament. Uh, without hyperbole, I can say that I can remember, but it's possible ever. So. But how sober were you at this versus all those other tournaments? Quite. Okay, because I felt that might factor into the memory. <laughs> Quite. Aspect. It was not a licensed event because it was at Sentry Box. Mm-hmm. So we'd go over to Mike's or like Mikey's or whatever. Oh, yeah. Grab right a couple beers between yep. it during lunch. But, you know, by by the end of game, the next round, you're not even feeling it anymore. Yeah. Like I was only getting about maybe half an hour of like pseudo kind of fuzzy giggles. The rest of it was just the games. Just good people. Good people, good times. Good people, good times. Check it out. It's really enjoyable, and I can't recommend it enough. I just find it ironic that this game has been the epitome of beer and pretzels gaming for a long time, and it's like the only non-licensed event you've been to in a while. That well, no. I go to a lot of events and stores. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I would just, say those are non-licensed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, do you guys have any questions? At all about the Blood Bowl stuff? It sounds awesome. It sounds like I should get a team. You fucking need a team, dude. You yeah, Skaven, don't you? Skaven. I could, I could make something happen, but I need Just buy the new box. It's 40 bucks. Exactly. Steve. Exactly. And buy Forge-Rolled, like, two-headed Rattoger. That Rattoger actually was really solid. Oh, dude, and there's a new star player coming out for the Skaven? Yeah. Who's a fat rat. I know. I saw oh, that. Oh, they have the expansion for the Skaven coming yeah, out, too. Did you yeah, saw that? Okay. Yeah, because Forge-Rolled's actually doing... Cause the only complaint with the current box sets is that... And a monopose? Yeah, you've got one blitzer model, you've got one blocker model, you've got, I think, three lineman variants and a thrower, right? And if you're lucky, the heads are separate so you can swap them around. But especially for the, like, the orc kit, they're not. So Skaven and kit, they're not either. So Forge was actually stepping up and giving add-on kits. So you can get variety in your models. But honestly, for 40 bucks, like, fuck, who cares? There's still beautiful models that paint up real quick and real nicely. And if you do have an AOS army or something, you could do some head swaps or whatever too. Like yeah. just do a little bit of clipping and you'd be fine. It wouldn't take a lot of it a lot of effort to convert these models, to be honest with you. And once you have your starter painted, like yeah, you can like look at those blister packs of expansions or what have you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or just spend eighty bucks, buy two boxes and have all the options you could possibly ever need. And have extras when you chop one up and fuck it up. Yeah. Exactly. Do it, Steve. Do it. I should do it, for sure. Buy all the things. What, what team are you going to play, Ward? What teams are there right now? Uh, well, the new plastic ones, you've got dwarves, which are great looking. You've got humans, orcs, uh, skaven, and goblins. 
Um, we are likely going to be seeing. I would be surprised if there wasn't a team every two or three months in the rotation. I'd like, like, I was part, like, if they did a Lizardman team again, I could be, I could Go check out that. this website that I can never pronounce the name of that has all of the third party models because there's some great stuff out there. Hmm. Hmm. I might have to look at that, so. <laughs> or you could play Amazons and BOP because weren't their rerolls like half as expensive as every well, other I team? Well, I think that was Norris. No, Norris was good. No, they both were, except the difference was is that Amazons also had dodge on everybody yeah, and could very cheaply and easily get block on four models, whereas the Norse just had block on everybody and couldn't quite as easily get dodge. Yeah, I remember Amazons being like, what the fuck, why am I not playing Amazons? <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, they are, but like, the reality is that... Uh, are they out yet in the new rules, though? I don't well, yes, the new rules have all of the old teams have current rules. So if you have the models, you can totally play them. Uh, and including, they even have the Dugout app, which you can get for free and then pay for and buy content. And they have new teams in there that they used to have way back when. Like, they've got a Savage Orc team. They've got a Human Nobles, which is a combination of, like, Bretonians and Empire. And they have hmm. bodyguard models. So, of course, they have the guard skill automatically. Like, it's it's cool stuff, right? It's... The company's really supporting Blood Bowl right now, and... That's awesome. And by not reinventing the wheel with the rule set, they had all that old content that they could just dust off and repackage. Yeah. They're just doing it right. Like, this is another win for GW. 100%. Have we ever rated the new Blood Bowl releases before? I don't think so. No, because nobody here has gotten seriously into it until you just did. Have you played any games yet, Mike? No, I got two teams in my <laughs> like, yeah, Three. I was, I was Working on the third one. I, I know I keep seeing all your painted models, but I've never heard you talk about playing any games. So. I haven't played a game yet. Steve's played a game. I've played uh, three games. So before this weekend, you played more games of Blood Bowl in the last 11 years than I did. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm going to give the current Blood Bowl release a five. I would actually agree with that 100%, which kind of is weird because I don't own any yet. But everybody else has teams, so... Even I have mostly painted team. I just don't like them. You, you what else? Uh, oh, no ones. They were, um, they were a human team with an ogre. I had what else back then. Really? That's weird. That didn't, I don't know why, but that seems strange. Because what else was my first army ever? I had a goblin team way, way back that I converted myself. Did you see myself, the new goblins so. coming out, Ward? No, not yet. Oh, Jesus. No, no, no. I mean, but, just, but just look at some of these ones, Ward. For the plastics, yeah. Yeah. And then imagine those guys, that quality with secret weapons. Oh, secret weapons. And they're introducing new secret weapons, one of which is a Doom Diver model. So when your troll throws him, he's way more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, actually. And Squig Rider. Oh, that sounds impressive. Yeah, I may have to look at this. You game know you want it. Later. I'll buy. Oh, I buy everything. I'm a dink, right? So makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's like forty bucks for. So yeah. Ball. So you got a five, Mike. I'm gonna give it a four because I haven't played it yet. <laughs> Fuck! What's <laughs> just because uh, I haven't played it yet? I, you I contrarian know. motherfucker! Oh, you what? Wardo, what you've seen? Uh, I'm gonna give it a four as well because I haven't, ah. I haven't bought anything. Like, but why? Like, Justify your four with a reason other than because I haven't bought it or because I haven't played it. Like, uh, is there something wrong with the price point, the models, the rules? No, like, I think I think the price point is good. Uh, the rules you can download correct or buy the 
So you can buy the starter set or get them through Dugout, but through um, there's a bunch of versions of the current rules for free online. Yeah, the Living Rulebook PDFs were up for a very long time, so I'm sure you could find them with very minimal effort. Very easily. There was never an attempt to even, you know, copyright block or anything. They were just openly available. <laughs> I think yeah. I still ha- I found a CD going through stuff recently that had, it was given out at Games Day, it had all of the Specialist Games rulebooks just like on, burnt to a CD. I wonder if I still have that And they somewhere. just handed those out at Games Day for a few years. I remember Fitzpatrick got us like all coiled uh, rule books for, for the Bible. Probably the printed day, off that scene. But I feel <laughs> that they're slightly out of date. But yeah. Not yeah they just changed the rules a little bit, but it's yeah. super minor. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to give it a four. There's, there's not a team that, well, I mean, I haven't really looked very hard, but like a team that's like, I have to buy those models right now. So this is a four based on your negligence. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm dumb. I'm giving it a four. You rolled a one. Fair enough. <laughs> um, I'll probably give it a four as well, but I have a legitimate reason. I do find that <laughs> the one thing that is missing from a lot of these plastic kits is, yeah, the monoposed nature of them. They're great-looking models. But the old ones bugged me that they weren't, you know, there wasn't a lot of variability. They didn't have the swappable heads. And to not improve on that with the more modern, like, approach to miniatures, yeah, it's impressive what they did for the price point. But having separate heads, like, would have made such a big difference, in my opinion. And some of the factions did it and some didn't, and that's kind of bullshit. So I think one of the things that I find funny is that when you used to buy a team box... It was 50 or 60 bucks in 2006. Because it was metal? Because it was pewter. You buy them now and they're 40. Uh, a lot of people, though, back in the day, I think, converted their models too. Like, I just, just cut had weapons a off bo- of plastic. Yeah, figures. I bought a box of goblins and just converted like tons. Yeah, because why not, right? Yeah. But just, put, like, just think about that for a second. Before every single crazy price hike that they released, the boxes were more expensive than they are now. Yeah, that's fair. That is one of the only times in fucking history that happened. So. But but at the same time, yeah, I just think that one extra step would have made the game a lot more interesting to me because the actual game itself wouldn't be as interesting as some of the models look really nice, but just painting the same model and over and over will not have that appeal. Yeah. So from the pure hobby perspective, I feel like that's a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. But the Forge World add-on kits and variants and stuff like that will help. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. I think their snap-together kits have come so far. The You have, at most, three or four models that you're going to paint under the same pose. Yeah, and that's really what it is. At yeah. most, it'd be four of the same model. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think that suitably covers Blood Bowl. Obviously, I'm excited. If anyone's looking for Blood Bowl games, let me know. Uh, I got a sweet pitch that I want to use now, so I need to... You shouldn't call her that. Uh there a lot of dad dead, jokes. Dead, dead air. A lot of dad jokes today. How, okay, so I missed it. How much How much was this bad boy? Um, these normally go for 80 bucks for the oh, mat. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll tell you more about it afterwards so okay. that people listening don't have to hear about it a second time. Gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, okay, so. Because you were late. I was late. We're moving on to our token third period. Oh. About objective markers. <laughs> And tokens. <laughs> well, like to- like you could use tokens for objective markers. You could use 3D objective markers. Like, what do you guys like to use for your objective markers? So, Objectively like- speaking. Objectively speaking. Okay, well, actually, objectively speaking, tokens, flat. Because most of the time, they shouldn't block line of sight. They're not part of the actual 
like game if you're playing competitively, I guess I should say. So typically for all the 40k stuff, you have your, what is it, 40 mil tokens that's required for uh, objective markers, at least in the ITC. Oh, those are sweet. Um, however, if I'm not playing a tournament game, good lord, I'd rather have something uh, different and cool. Like what I had for my Salamanders was I had the little like teleport homers of the Terminator boxes. Yeah. So you have something that represents like an objective that they're actually trying to get to on the battlefield. The problem with 40k in the past has always been its true line of sight. So if your objective is actually impeding your view, it's a detractor. So hopefully that's not not a thing in 8th with 40k. Yeah, but they're selling okay. those 3D D- Just ones. out of curiosity, detracting in which way? In what way? It interferes with gameplay. It interferes with the gameplay. Shouldn't it add to the gameplay? It should, but Shit. if your opponent doesn't have that, then you're at a disadvantage. You're playing competitively is what I'm saying. Uh, which is why... But you're playing on the same board. Yeah, but you might have to hit a charge or whatever, and if he doesn't have those those tokens in his deployment zone and he, his movement's unimpeded or... Oh, it's because, okay, let me get this. It's because if one person has one's a block yeah. line of sight and the other person doesn't, then yeah. it's going to mess things up. And he can do things to... be consistent. Okay. He can do things to, like, That I can understand, to, like, but otherwise... Charges or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just easier to have tokens for competitive 40k, or it used to be, but if I'm playing with friends, I totally like to have that immersive experience of having something that actually means something to your army as four objectives, right? Like, why um, they would be doing that. It'll be interesting to see what they do for rules, because they do have that kit coming out for 8th edition that has, like, the like the gene stealers suspended with, like, the clear, <coughs> clear plastic tank and stuff like that. Which looks real good. Yeah, admittedly, Forge Worlds were done that with... Um, uh, the Enephalon base or whatever it was called? Yeah, whatever the hell it was. The Imperial Armor 3, if but I'm not mistaken. It's going to be cool. Mm. It's going to be really good. The specimen tanks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what an objective marker should be, right? Like, And I guess the, the other question, too, is dep- it depends on the game, right? So in War Machine, objective markers potentially are models with height yeah. that can do things like grant cover or whatever else. So having it be something of substance is actually cool and doesn't impede at all. Yeah. You can't actually go on top of it, so why would it be a flat object? Yeah. Excuse me, same thing for Malifo. Yeah. Right, you can use a 50 mil base or you could make something cool that actually makes sense. Like if you're trying to guard the stash or um, any of the story encounters that have something cool that you're going for, you can actually have like a wagon that's going along that you're trying to get to or a jail that you're breaking something yeah. out of, right? Um, is all super rad. Now that being said, a really cool laser cut token like these, are these Kukulkani? Those are the Kukulkani. These are sweet. Like wouldn't you, aren't, are these okay? Like, would you if somebody dropped these down? On oh, the fuck yeah! Would you be ever upset? Never. Yeah. Would there ever be an objective marker where you'd be like, "That's garbage"? Uh, yeah, cardboard, paper. Okay. Okay. Even if it's like printed cardboard. Uh, I think if it was like glued to a base or something, so it had substance. Okay. One of my only beefs with objective markers is that often they're supposed to be positioned in a very careful location. Yeah. But if it's something that can be easily bumped or moved... Okay, so it's got a little bit of weight to it. A little bit. Like, yeah. something where if I'm blowing at the table, because that's often one of my strategies, um, <laughs> to help my models, encourage my models. <laughs> yeah, get it, like, really thematic. Blow in their ear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just encourage my guys, right? Just a gentle little blow on their back of their necks. That's very yeah. strange. <laughs> very, very strange. <laughs> I would have went with creeping myself, but that's okay. Uh, I'm trying to be nice here. Yeah, so I think... Or just, honestly, in general gameplay, right? Like, especially in a larger event, lots of people are moving around. Some of the paper objectives move a lot more easily than um, 
than these ones. The ones that worked really well historically for us. Or if you're drinking and you spill. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem too. Acrylics way better at handling booze. Yeah, exactly. You could just wipe it off and you and you're good to go. So uh, some of the ones that I brought here for an example is I went crazy shopping at Warsenal and I picked up a bunch of uh, different uh, tokens. So uh, the Kukulkani uh, just basically have the faction like logo engraved in the the acrylic. It's bright. It, you can it's exactly the same as my yeah. Blood you can, Bolt you can easily see it, which which is uh, a plus and a minus, right? Because if you're actually thinking about the scenario and you are aware of it, compared to somebody that just wants to kill you, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, there's that shiny token over there that I should actually think about instead." So I didn't get them. <gasps> yeah, because you're dumb. Fuck, those look sweet. <laughs> I had to go check my bag of no, new tokens. <laughs> Apparently, I am in fact dumb. The uh, the other ones well, that one, I, man. the other ones that I ordered really too are uh, the alphabetical ones. Uh, so you can get them in multiple different colors. They got the letter of the alphabet, so that way you can easily identify which objective See, I like is those. which. Uh, which is kind of cool. And then Are I you use those ones for infinity? Uh, this one is more of an infinity based, just based on the size of the token. Uh, if the game is not necessarily. Um, strict on like the size of the base of the token then I can use it a little bit more um, for different systems and, and so on and so forth. They also have an alphanumeric uh, version too, uh, numbers 1 through 6 that's a little bit more 3D I haven't completely finished assembling them all but basically there's a center color column and then two different color uh, pieces coming out so there's a red and purple version that I really liked as well as a fluorescent green and blue as well. What do you mean so. by alphanumeric? Are they like hexadecimal can you have 16 objectives no, in one digit? they say it's alphanumeric. It's basically just numbers 1 through 6. So it's just numeric. Numeric. That's confusing. <laughs> well, in, in the drop-down menu, you have to either choose alphabetical or numerals. So, okay. That's, I see what you're saying. That's the way that they're... Fair enough, fair enough. It Let it go, Dan. Uh, I mean, I it do agree. Sense, though. The game has hacking in it. They're, they could have <laughs> objectives in hex, and it'd be like... That would actually be sweet. And if you actually had to like do the math in your head to like convert what the objectives are and stuff, that'd be cool. <laughs> Nobody else around this table was remotely interested in hex, I think, other than myself. <laughs> um, but I mean, I do, I do get the idea of like having just like the flat token on the table. It's easy. It doesn't impede any like line of sight. It's a fair, extremely portable. It's it's yeah. A fair, yeah, I mean, you have you a ton for an event. They're often a lot cheaper. You can, especially with. I feel like every other person has a has a laser cutter now. So, like, although acrylic ones are really expensive, they need a much higher powered laser. But I mean, like, we know a guy in uh, Vancouver, we know a guy in Calgary, like, you've, you, you probably know a guy that can get these done for you to get custom stuff for your events. Mm-hmm. No, very, very true. Uh, the stand ones are, in my opinion, a little bit cooler. I like them a little bit more, but again, it comes down to the packing issue, like, is that base bottom going to snap off? It is acrylic. Will it frost off? If I'm using, if I'm dumb and using the wrong glue at like 3 a.m. in the morning, that sort of thing, right? So, yeah, and the the super glue that doesn't frost is a lot more expensive. <laughs> but it go, it does go a long way because I don't Triple. use it for anything except <laughs> except <laughs> tokens, right? So that those remind me a lot of the GW. What was it, fifth or fourth Ed starter with the flags? Yeah, I had a bunch of those. Were those those were also mm. pretty good, actually. Yeah. That the acrylic was so way too though. thick. Yes, 
They're both yes. great tools. Uh, and and like Dan, you mentioned before, like a lot of companies do make their own like three D markers. Uh, so GW's coming out with like a bunch of uh, objective markers. Uh, I know Privateer Press had uh, different uh, objectives that you could fight over, like crates and and that sort of yep. thing in like resin pieces. So a lot of companies will make their own um, as well that they want you to buy. Of course, um, it just depends on if you even GW has now. You just said that. Yeah, you just yeah, said okay, that. Yeah, okay, I didn't say it. <laughs> I just block you almost the time. Don't worry. That, oh, that's fair. I mean... <laughs> we all do. I get that. We all do, Mike. <laughs> uh, that was Ward, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, more, more and more companies are doing this. Um, so it's the ease of... Of just picking something up and, and going with it. You don't have to necessarily think about it. Uh, talk to third parties. Like You can just get it all in one shebang. I, I'm sure they'll have like one-click deals soon enough with all your objective markers. Um, and then the yeah, last but point... Yeah, save so many clicks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, like, the last point, too, is, is a lot of people will make their own objective markers, right? So... Um, Which Malif- is my favorite. Malifaux, do you... Some people do, some people don't. Yep. Although oh, oh, for me, the biggest one was back when we used to 40K or Fantasy. When we used to 40K. <laughs> <clears throat> well, really, like any little Games Workshop oh, games, yeah. it used to be a requirement for a lot of the events you go to. You had to bring objective, markers, objective markers for your army. So I've got Savage Orc objective markers, uh, had Iron Warrior objective markers, or like there would always be like the Messenger dude or whatever else, right? Yeah. Like you do all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, well, they still do that with um, uh, Infinity. Like you get the, you buy the what the hell was it called? Operation Ice Storm, and you get the tech model, right? Which was an objective. Like you rescue the HV- civilian tech. HVT. Yeah, high, high, high value, value target. target. So, so there's still some. There's games a doing that. there's a lot in like Infinity, like yeah. the rescue mission where you have to like yeah. rescue a lot of them in the center of the board. So I feel like you're obliged to be all like, come on, let's go, and stuff, like old <laughs> Counter-Strike. <laughs> Use the really shitty quotes whenever you're playing those missions. <laughs> Probably. I'm into it. Just thinking more of the get to the chopper. That's good, too. Yeah, it checks out, man. I like yep. it. Um, you know that movie's 30 fucking years old? Yep. That's oh, depressing. Man. Seriously? Uh, yeah, 30th anniversary of Predator, like, a couple days ago. Oh, man. I do, I do agree that, like, that Dan said that I am the, um, the accessorizer of the group. I like oh, to accessorize all my plates. games. I, <laughs> all my acrylic tokens and such. So I, just having them, I think, adds to the game, and I'm I'm a big fan of that. And I uh, couldn't disagree. I couldn't disagree with you at all. Like I, every game that I play, I go out of my way to find the coolest, sweetest tokens and accessories to play. I have so many of those like bead trays from Michaels, full of tokens <laughs> in all of my game bags. A lot of beads. It's great. No, but actually, I kind of i I was not on that train of like the acrylic tokens and that kind of stuff. I thought they were just kind of dumb. Like, just if you got wound counters, put them beside your models. All the games that I played at the time didn't really have. You mean forty k and fantasy? I played a lot of fantasy back in the day. They didn't really have lasting effects. Like maybe you had a spell, but a lot of those spells were just like offensive damage yeah. dealing, or maybe you had a couple of buffs here and there. But until you got me playing um, a little bit of War Machine, and I picked up the convergence of Cirrus token set. Big shout out to Privateer Press for actually yes. manufacturing great token sets Fantastic themselves. Fantastic tokens. For a decade. Yeah, and those tokens transfer to a ton of other games. I use them in a bunch of other games, and I started then bringing in and buying tokens for other systems. Yeah, I totally used War Machine tokens for Malifo yeah. until hilarious. I keep getting free token sets at every event that I go to. LVO, I got my Gremlin tokens, I got these at the Blood Bowl. Anyways, um... <laughs> But seriously, yeah, it's it's a great generic token set, and they're yeah. super cheap. 
Yeah, and the thing is, is you can write on them. Uh, like, I mean, now all of these you can technically write on. It doesn't really change anything with all the Lexan. But back in the day, being able to have, like, not a cardboard token, like, write with a dry erase marker as to what the effect was on one of them, like, yeah. got so much more mileage out of those tokens. And those, and then effectively they became objectives. Like, I remember I used them for a long time because you roll for your mysterious objectives in 40K, write down what the number was on it. Because it was just, like, this, the yeah. little... Round ones. Yeah. yeah, and it's way better than with uh, the Mysterious Objectives with the little flat, uh, not the flags, they had the skull that came out. In the Can you imagine the little starter. like stand things you had to put the dice on? Yeah, and, and I used them. those for a long time because I bought that set and they're, yeah. they, the dice, you would inevitably put them on a hill or whatever. They'd fall they, off. Yeah. 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 And they're also really hard to read in the first place. Oh, those dice they came out with were the back worst. in the day were horrid. Like, I fully painted mine just so you could actually see what yeah. the hell they were from more yeah. than six inches away. Yeah. You had to. Which would have been, what, like eight hours of hobbying to paint those fucking things? Yeah, that was easily, I think, two sessions. Because you're painting fine detail of unprimed plastic. It is not pleasant. And if you prime it, it's fucked up. Because it's just going to get chipped. Well, it's going to get chipped anyway if you roll them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were a problem. <laughs> so nowadays, are you? Do you gravitate more towards like the pre-purchased like acrylic tokens uh, and markers, or are you more of a fan of the three D ones that you can build yourself? It depends on what they are and what they're for. The new GW ones, big fan of those. They, they look, look really good. good. I just don't know if they're going to be functional. Yeah, yeah, they look really, really good, and that's kind of I think they're really pushing the three ways to play the game, which makes sense for their systems. Like, the idea of the narrative play with, like, the different, like, power level ratings and just kind of throw together a quick army. Well, no, the narrative is, like, nothing. And then the power ratings is, like, the semi-cash. No, they mention it in there that the power ratings are, like, to get two equivalent forces, like, figure out what you're going to do for a narrative game. Like, you can use that within a narrative system. Because it totally just rounds it off. I was almost hoping the power gaming was going to be their actually, like, structured competitive play. Because that would have been pretty easy for just adding up. Oh yeah, but now their their point system is actually pretty solid for the fact that you get yeah, the one page and you just <coughs> take that and you like you're probably gonna get to see that replaced once a year. Which is really cool to rebalance things. So yeah. I, I yeah, I know what you're saying. But and but yeah, the, the, the power level thing is it's a much less granular system, so it's not gonna be as yeah. friendly for competitive where you need to be able to fine tune like like what Skaven did from Fantasy at one point where they were so fucking cheap they had to have half point upgrades. Oh yeah. yeah. I like, enjoyed that. That granularity. Spear was half a point. I well, didn't know all about that. And War Machine has gone back and forth on that too, where in the first edition, a jack would, like a heavy jack would be like 120 points. And then Mark II, they were what, like Seven. 12, 10? Uh, no, they got upwards of uh, upwards of 14, I think, for the heaviest of heavy. But yeah, like they, they scaled it back by like a factor of 10, and that got into problems when you had solos. Like the difference between a two point and a three point model is really big. Because yep. it's a 50% cost jump. So, and so in, in, having yeah. that granularity for a competitive game yep. is necessary. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see the first battle report that has 9,000 power level. That would oh, be it's over Power 9, level 9,000 would be crazy because yeah. squads are like 10 points. <laughs> yeah. Not even. <laughs> I think there's some units that are like 20 points. Like I think they were showing off the mountain throw today. That was yeah, like some of the super heavies were 20. like 20 points. I'm pretty sure <laughs> 10 grouts is one. <laughs> no, I know a, a, a Space Marine term, uh, our tactical squad is 7, power level 7. For 10, right? For 5. It's 14 for 10. Hmm. Yep. I, st- I still recall Grotz being very low. I have no <laughs> doubt Grotz are 1, without a doubt. <laughs> They're yeah. pretty shitty. 
They're so. exceptionally shitty. So you say it's subjective, which... It which depends on what. It depends on... the. There's so many different games that have so many different uses. Mm-hmm. Um, if it can be 3D, my, my preference is 3D. Yeah, I agree. Um, but if it if it's something that... Like, a perfect example, hilariously enough, is that flags in War Machine are never a thing. They effectively are ethereal. Like, you can move through them no problem. So it's like you a wings on model in 40K. Yeah. So you don't need to worry about there being anything 3D there, whereas objectives are actual models. So then having something big and physical there is great. Um, other things like a claim marker in Malifaux, which is just a marker on the ground that you can stand on top of if you want, doesn't interact with, is one thing. Whereas a stash marker is a height 5 model. So it really depends on what it is, and there's a great value to both. But if you ever have a chance to make sweet thematic objective markers for your army, just do it. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's, it's, you get to convert stuff that doesn't really affect your army and just adds to it. Like, there's no downside to really doing thematic uh, objective markers. Like, people come around for best presentation or whatever else. That is something that definitely takes your army to the next level. Especially if you can find a way to integrate it into your display board. Dark Eldar Slaves. The, one of the best uh, <laughs> models ever. At least from one very specific standpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Are we... I think we're all on the... the, Do the coolest objective markers you can. Yeah, I think the acrylic ones are great off the shelf, but if you can do 3D, why not? Go for it. Yeah. All right, we have a few minutes left? I think so. Okay. I want to pitch something. I think I briefly mentioned this to you guys on the, the, the thread of an idea that was thought up on the drive down to Powtown. Okay. Of a new deployment style for miniature gaming. Oh, no. Oh, no. Indeed. <laughs> I remember. So, imagine, if you will, you have an army. Let's say there's ten units in it. You number them off one to ten. You got a corresponding pog for every model, or every unit in the game. Oh, God, yeah, I remember And you now. build the stack up, and you take a slammer at the start of the game, and do your one hit, whichever ones flip over, what you get to deploy. Well, you know that I'm always big into competitive pogging. Right? So I'm Finally, it's coming in handy. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I've got a heavy metal slammer that I'm ready just to throw down. So what happens if you flip multiples? You get to deploy all multiples? Excuse me, i got to go. I think you would pl- deploy all multiples. Sure. Tom's going to get his Convenient phone call, and he <laughs> runs off and yeah. will discuss his brilliant idea. Yeah. I'm N- pretty sure now they off. have to take it. I'm pretty sure he's off to get his pogs right now. Hundred <laughs> percent. He could be. That's. I think that's a dumb idea, but Tom's quite enamored with it, so we'll just let him have it. I don't know. I played pogs <laughs> many years me. after the fact once, and it was like the most hilarious thing ever. Did you really? Like, wh- how old were you? Uh, I, I don't know these. Specific, I don't know the exact. No, I don't think I was full on adult. But like, at least a decade later, a buddy and I we like dug out a bunch of pogs and like. A group of friends. We like literally just played Pogs one day. But you should for have hours, and it was the dumbest, most awesome thing ever. You should have known better. That you were of that age, right? I should have known better. I'm ashamed. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking ashamed. about. No, like you should be ashamed for playing Pogs. What he's saying, but I'm gonna say I don't think you should. That's awesome. <laughs> pogs are sweet, man. 
Can you even get Pogs anymore? eBay, for sure you can. E-ba- oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they're really I, I'm sure, cheap, dude. I'm sure you can <laughs> get all of the Pogs on eBay. I Excellent am just deal. happy I missed that era. Oh, man. <laughs> but no, you could get, like, the sweet slammers that had, like, little finger grooves for extra grip. Like, there are so many ways to have, like, the real high-end shit. Yeah. Or you get a shredder, and you fucking wreck the guy's favorite Pogs, and it's awesome. Fucking slam it. Did you have the Pog case? The, the tube. tube. The yeah. tubes. I had a tube. And then you get the little zip-up case that you could put fit multiple tubes so you didn't have to have the giant wizard stick of pogs because they screwed together. <laughs> no. <laughs> I never had that. No, because no. those white tubes, each one that you got, you could take them apart and screw them together so you can make a huge, long tube full of your pogs. I think I'd go for the wizard sleeve. The wizard, wizard sleeve? That's, <laughs> that's a Borat reference. <laughs> I'm aware. Okay, good. Oh, dear. Good. All right. Mike, are you aware of that? We got, do we got oh, some events gosh. coming up? So we got events. Yeah, we don't, we don't events. need Tom for events. events. <laughs> I, I can give you some events. Hang on. Uh, uh, yeah, are there any Pog tournaments coming up? Uh, I am uh, I'm unaware. If Actually, you, let's find out. If you are running stop. any Pog tournaments, uh, <laughs> please let us know. We are very interested. In uh, partaking uh, in your event, that would be fucking fantastic. So yes, yes, there are pog turns. Wow, that is crazy. Oh dear. Okay, so coming up here, uh, we won't mention the stuff going on this weekend because by the time we post, it'll be too late. Uh, so starting on June twenty fourth, we have the Drop Fleet Commander Tournament uh, at All Star uh, Sports and Collectibles. Uh, so it is going to go on the 24th. Uh, they are starting uh, at 10 o'clock. Uh, you will play three games uh, with a break for like lunch, and there's a $10 entry fee. Uh, points will be 1250 to build your fleets. Nice. Are you playing, Mike? I don't know. What are you playing? No, because my life is busy. Yeah, work. I thought so. That's all. That's all I do is work. Unfortunately, sure. so mm-hmm. uh, June twenty fifth, uh, we have the fortieth anniversary of Star Wars. Uh, it's being hosted by uh, Games Collective in Leduc. Uh, they have fourteen spots to play in the X Wing tournament, and there's going to be participation prizes. Sweet. This event is free to enter, but remember the space is limited. So if you are interested, you got to sign up fast uh, and play some uh, Star Wars. Uh, then in July, uh, we have the Drop Fleet Escalation League number five on July 2nd at Mission Fun and Games. I have to interrupt you. you there are interrupt. many POG tournaments, and you can still buy them on Amazon in Ooh. case anybody's interested. Interesting. Uh, I didn't just buy I, any. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> How many wizard sleeves did you get? Just one. <laughs> That's all you need, really. Uh, so, yes, July 2nd, the Draw Fleet Escalation League number 5, Mission Funny Games. Uh, games will be played between 1 and 5. Uh, $5 drop-in fee is required uh, at the event, and that is 1,500 points, correct, for the last week? Yes. There you go. Thanks, thanks, Mike. The surety was, was sure. <laughs> well, I think that's the Mike not paying attention when words talking. Yeah, he's, he's playing with toys right now. So. Why is this guy beside me? <laughs> uh, July 8th uh, is the Steamroller number 4 at Thunderground Comics uh, War Machine Hordes event. Uh, players from Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, and Fort Mac get to play in this event for free. Uh, so message uh, Thunderground and get uh, registered to play in that event. Um, and then the last big event here for July is Thunder on the Tundra, July 15th and 16th at the Spruce uh, Grove Garden Valley Hall. Uh, multiple systems will be uh, being ran. Uh, 
Battletech on the Saturday. Battletech on the Saturday from Mr. Dan Beyer here. Uh, there is going to be a Ninth Age team event going on. Uh, there is going to be some Shadow War going on. There's going to be the, I think, first 8th edition tournament. Yeah, Phil was mentioning something about that to me, but I'm not sure if it's official yet. I think it is. He's been posting right okay. now. so I can't remember what he's posting publicly and what he's posting on the TO page, so I don't want to say anything. <laughs> uh, he mentioned it to me, and I'm not on the TO page, so I'm going to say it's public. There you go. Maybe? Because <laughs> I know that the event... He asked uh, me if I wanted ex- to register. Probably <laughs> maybe. Let's go with probably maybe. He, probably he maybe. said that the event did expand from... Um, originally, I think it was 16 uh, up to 24 players, and now it's 28 players. Yeah, what I feel growing. bad for? Shadow War Armageddon. Oh, because it got overshadowed game. really fast. Because it's a edition. good game. It's a good game. I hope that people still play it. So Yeah, it's, it is a little bit weird that... 8th edition came out so soon afterwards. But anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Right on the tails. And uh, that is it for events for uh, the rest of June and July. All right. Sweet. Well, as always, I'm Steve. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. And Mike. And Tom's upstairs. We have no idea where Tom went. He would probably tell you to paint your fucking models and, I don't know, play some Blood Bowl? Play some Pogs. Play Pogs. (laughs) Go buy yourself a wizard, Steve. (laughs)